Welcome to Uncommon Real Estate, where it's all about finding creative solutions for real estate agents and investors. In exclusive mastermind conversations with some of the brightest minds in real estate, you'll learn how to earn an extra six figures a year. Don't follow the herd. Be uncommon. Here are your hosts, multi-millionaire real estate agent and investor, Chris Craddock and Jeff Safright. Hey, friends. Welcome here to another episode of your Uncommon Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Chris Craddock and myself, Jeff Safright. Today, we are going to discuss what every real estate agent extraordinaire out there wants to know is how can I get more listings? Let's chat this up, Chris. Let's help our people out, our friends out, and let's all do some extraordinary business together. Well, just a quick shift on that. It's not how can I get more, but how do I win more? So yeah, it is the same, but how do you win more? Oh, it's a different mentality, right? Absolutely. Because almost everybody has some sort of listing appointments and we can talk about how to get more listing appointments. But at the end of the day, how do you close more of what you get? And the real key is, in my opinion, you got to be able to win before you walk in the door. And if you don't have a strategy, you're just going in blind. So today was all about the pre-qualification call. How do we take that call and know how to win, right? And it's interesting. I'll just start with this. There's a guy on our team who has the highest conversion rate by far over, I think he's over 70% now. Teddy, seven out of 10 appointments he goes on. And these are not sphere of influence appointments, right? Those are appointments that are a lot easier. And I'll start for all you SOI people, referral only people, that's totally fine. You can say, no, it's not as easy, but I promise you somebody that you're talking to cold is way harder than somebody that comes referred to you where they already know and trust you because the person that referred them basically has their edification of you going into it. So Teddy is literally closing over 70% and he changed from closing, I I think he was closing less than 20% to over 70% when he started taking this pre-qualification call super seriously so that he says at this point he walks in and he basically already knows that he's got it uh, done because of that call. So that's what I want to get into today. I'm curious, Jeff, when you were a wrestler, how often did you go onto the mat without a game plan? Always, man. Just went out there to wing it, see what I could do. <laughs> Whatever the moment gives me. <laughs> what, what, what would no. you do ahead of time when you were at your best? What would you do ahead of time to be ready for the match? Yeah, well, it's funny because I'll put it this way. I think Patrick Mahomes said it best this week, right? Justin Tucker was warming up on the other end of the field, trying to mess with him and Kelsey. And and Patrick Mahomes said he's had the same routine the last seven years, right? The same warm-up routine, preparation for the game. And that's it. Like, you've got to have routine, right? You've got to have a way to get your muscle memory going, get get yourself into the flow state, allow your resets and your triggers and everything to kind of flow in the right direction. And so for Mahomes, that that dude is a professional of all professionals, right? He's been to four of the last five Super Bowls. By the end of his career, we may not even know who Tom Brady is. But that's the same thing whether in wrestling. This is what I'm teaching my kids right now is that we have to have the same warm-up routine. We got to go through the through all the same motions. So that way, as our muscle memory is taking over, as our body is getting into the flow, like it takes our mind with us and, and everything goes in one state. 
But in addition to that, then you have to prepare for your opponent, right? So you got to know what what strengths your opponent has, what weaknesses they have, how do they match your strengths and weaknesses? Because if I'm a, a wrestler that can be assertive and, and dictate the action, then I'm not as concerned with what my opponent can do uh, because I'm I'm confident in, in what I can do. Vice versa, if I have a stronger opponent that that counters my strengths very well, then I then I have to know where to go from there too. So that all flows into the first 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds of a match and and how we engage action. And same thing with with the NFL, right? They have a script of plays that they run through the first however long to figure out how the defense is going to react to them, what they've studied, what they haven't studied. That all goes into the same thing that we do with listing appointments, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Being ready to go, like the appointment for the appointment. So today what I want to do is run through the anatomy of the call, what you need to look for, what you need to, to understand before you walk in. And then I'm going to also talk through the scripting that I use. And, and I know Jeff will share some of his scripting as well. So the anatomy of the call. Now, here's the key. This is everybody will say, it goes without saying, if you want to win, you typically need to begin with the end in, the, in mind, right? You need to know where you're headed, right? So the anatomy of the call means this. If at the end of your pre-qualification call, you can't grab your cell phone and legitimately text your best friend, your spouse, your business partner, somebody that you know, and within a couple sentences say, this is how I'm going to win this appointment, then you didn't get the information you needed on the pre-qual call. It needs to be that clear and that concise. Clarity brings power. And those that make the complex simple are the ones that win. And so if you don't, if you can't answer that question, you don't have clarity. And I promise you, you are unlikely to win. So with that said, and, and if you do win, what it means is you're going in and thinking on your feet. And here's what I also want to say about this. Everybody, most people get into real estate because they're good with people and they're usually good at thinking on their feet. And because they have a mile, like a, a pretty good level of success. Some are like above average and some are average level of success. They don't see what is possible because they don't take the time to prep ahead of time. Right. And I saw that when I was doing ministry stuff. I see that now. I see it all the time is good is the enemy of the best because good results keep people from doing what it takes to make them excellent, to make them elite. And they may say, oh, I'm elite because I'm better than other people, but I'm not elite based on what you could be. All right. There's the hard truth for everybody listening that feels like they, they think well on their feet and they go, well, you know what? If you do, that's the curse, right? It's the blessing and the curse, right? Don't use that to keep you from being the best version of yourself. All right. There we go. Next. First question. Why are you selling? Mm. <laughs> Why is this such an important question? And what do we learn from this? And I want to say there's there's only a handful of reasons why people are selling. And if you can realize that, again, boil it all down, knowing that it's only a handful of reasons, then it helps you understand how to give them what they're looking for. So Jeff, when somebody says why they're selling, what triggers in your mind? What are the questions that you're asking? What do you think is a way to help them accomplish their goals? 
I, I guess based off of their response, right, because we have a whole foray of, of different ways that, that we can help them or we present ourselves as, as having a few different ways. When they share why they are, why they're selling, it, it kind of, it helps you to determine their level of urgency, right? And it helps you determine their level of pain. Is it a pain that's motivating them? Is it leisure or luxury? Luxury? What's the word I'm looking for there? I'm, I'm missing a word there. But some people move because they just want something nicer. Other people move because they have a pain point. Some people are, are moving or they're selling because there's something really negative happening in their life, right? I kind of tend to say like maybe a threefold, right? So you have the negative. Someone's dying. Someone like something is not going well, maybe a divorce situation. It's a deep pain. Then you have a growing pain, right? Well, we're, we've We've outgrown the house or the house is too big for us now. So you're either buying up or you're, or you're going down or you want to be near the beach or whatever it is. Now, I want to throw this out there. What you just said is, is so powerful. And I think most agents miss this. People move because of pain. And Jeff, you just called finding the dream house pain, right? And most people don't see that. They, they think, oh, it's desire. But no, it's pain. Where they're living now doesn't fit the dreams they have for their life. And so they're moving out of pain and everybody thinks, no, pain gets us to move. People move away from pain more than they move towards pleasure. And when we understand that, then we're able to help people at a much greater level. Pleasure is the word I was looking for when I was saying luxury and leisure. I, I will say though, and, and that, then that would be the third part for me is the more kind of pleasure side. And, and the reason I think that distinguishing between those three is important is because one on the extreme negative, right? It's gonna it's gonna require a level of empathy and compassion, and and just we were both in the ministry, right? So we would call it more pastoral care, right? But also there's a level of urgency where you can move quicker, and they want to know that you can move promptly, that you can kind of handle things, whatever. Same if they're in a growing pain. But the one thing that I've discovered, if, if they're moving more for pleasure, if they're moving more for pleasure, and you try to come in with a level of urgency. That's gonna, you're, it's, they're going to feel like you're selling them, right? So you've got to match their pace and their speed. And oftentimes their pain point or their pleasure, if you want to decipher between those two, it's going to help you to identify the speed at which to, to move with, not just in action, but also in your tone and your voice tone, right? If I need compassion and empathy, I'm going to, I'm going to speak slowly. I'm going to speak with maybe a softer voice and I'm going to really allow time for listening. And if it's more of a growing pain, we've outgrown the house, we've we got a job, we're moving jobs, whatever, then there's going to be a, an uptick in the in, in a little bit of the speed and the authority of my voice, I guess you could say. And then if it's more of a pleasure at, at that point, there's a good level of rapport and just helping them dream. Oh, yeah. It's on really getting into the things that they're lacking in their current home that they're excited to get in their next home. And it's maybe even a little bit more playful. Because it because anytime we dream, we're it, it's a level of play and it's a level of fun, right? So as we identify those things, we can really help to know how fast and and what sort of tone to come with, demeanor to come with. Absolutely, and I think that's that's the super powerful thing: identifying why. So the next thing, and this is if you hear nothing else, it's begin with the end in mind understand why they're moving. And then here is the thing that I'll tell you whether, no matter who you're talking to, if you go on a listing appointment and you don't know what they want before you walk in the door in terms of price, you are at a massive disadvantage. Mm -hmm. If I go in, in the DMV area, the average sales price is 500,000. 
So let's just pretend the house we're talking about in question is 500,000. If I go on a listing appointment and the house, according to my numbers, is probably worth like in good condition, 500,000, and they say they want 600,000, my conversation is different at the appointment. If I go to the appointment and they say they want 400,000, my conversation is different at the appointment. And if I go and they say they want 500,000, my conversation is different at the appointment. And mm -hmm. if you are not having a different conversation, then you are just not prepared to win at mm -hmm. all, right? So if somebody wants, Jeff, if somebody needs to sell, now let's say they're not a tire kicker, right? Because if somebody says, I want 600,000 for my house, and I need to sell the house, and it's only worth 500000 And we'll get into the scripting right after this on how you get people to tell you what they want. Because sometimes people say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So we'll get into that in just a second. But Jeff, how do you talk to and handle people if they want a price that is, say, hundred grand more than what it's worth, but they need to sell? They're not tire kickers. They need to sell. So sometimes there's a reason they need that extra money, right? And I want to know, are they being unreasonable or, or do they have reason, right? For me, that kind of helps me to, to know what type of person I'm, I'm dealing with. I may ask, oh, okay, so is there a reason that, that you're looking at that number? And, and they may say yes, they may say no, they may just say they're going to tell me that they got bigger rooms or they got whatever their reason for it is, right? And that's a good thing to know because now when we go and talk about that, we can... Because the other day I, I had this, what was a 2,400 square foot home and it had seven bedrooms in it, right? And because it had seven bedrooms, he felt like it was, he could get a hundred grand more for that house than the house that only had three or four bedrooms, but the same square footage, right? Because in his mind, bedrooms meant more. So that gave me a, that was something that I knew that I would need to talk to him about as we go into that conversation, Right. So sometimes it's that other times they say, well, I got to pay off debt. I got to pay off some credit cards. I'm really hoping to do this, that, and the other. So now I understand why they're, they're going at it. Or I just ask them, where did you come up with that number? Is there, is there a house on the market that, or is there a house in your neighborhood that sold for that? I don't see because I want to make sure that I'm prepared and that I know everything. So and one of the things, especially with, for sell by owners, sometimes they do have knowledge about their neighborhood that you don't have, but oftentimes they have false information, right? A couple of months ago, I had this guy tell me that his neighbor sold his house for 1.6 million and come to find out they only sold it for 1.25. And literally they were like floored, blown away, right? So I showed them the tax, the public record, everything else, and they were blown away by it. So sometimes they'll give you information that's vital and, and good information. And sometimes you can help them to realize that maybe they got false information. Absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah. I just had a conversation with a friend. They thought their house was worth 1.22 because their neighbor sold for 1.22. But then when I shared with them that their neighbor's house was almost 700 square feet larger than theirs, they were blown away. They thought they had the same model. And then mm -hmm. they saw the tax record and they're like, oh, yeah. Huh. I guess the layout's similar, but the size is different. And here's what's important. You don't have that. You don't show them that until you get in front of them right? You don't do that over the phone, right? Because you want to be able to handle the, the emotional kind of journey that I guess that they're going to go on. Because some of them are really set on this number. One of the things that I always like to say is once you get a number in your head, you emotionally take that number to the bank and you start making plans for all that money. 
So if you tell me my house is no longer worth 1.6 or 1.22 or or 300 or 400, I've lost all that money in my head. That's an emotional, there's going to be an emotional response there that you're going to want to be present to help walk them through. And if you find out why they think the house is worth $100,000 more because of the neighbor, then you can go armed with the information to show them what that neighbor actually got or what the difference in size is or why it's not apples to apples. Now, here's the here's the next question. How do you handle it? So Jeff, why don't we role play? First one, I'll be the agent asking you the price and you be super simple, right? This is like the, the easy one. You're the easy client and you just give it up quick. So Jeff, just curious, how much do you own the house and how much are you hoping to sell for? I, I guess I wasn't prepared for... I don't know why you need to know that necessarily, but I, I owe 325. Okay. Okay, cool. And what are you hoping to sell for? My neighbor got 500. So I'd really like to get 500. Boom. All right. So that's the easy one, right? And, and you always want to say how much you owe and how much you sell for. You don't ask two separate questions and you definitely don't say, how much do I owe where your voice goes up? You say, how much do you owe? which is a command, not a question, and it gets rid of insecurity. How much do you owe and how much do you want to get for the property, right? And you're asking it with the assumption that they're going to answer it. You Also, it's not a big deal. Right. You, you got to, it's just a normal question. So it's going to be a command, but almost like a nonchalant command, right? And you want to know how much they owe because if they want to sell for 500 and it's, or 600 and it's worth 500, but they owe 525, because they refinance or they did had some sort of issue with the bank or had a forbearance or whatever, then you need to know that because if, if they owe 525 and there's no chance in which that house sells for over 500, then your conversation is probably just a phone call, not an in-person meeting, right? So you need to know what they owe as well because it, it's helpful. So now, Jeff, why don't you be the medium one? You're not super cagey. You're not going to be super hard, but you're the guy that says, well, I want you to come over and tell me because the, this is what we get. Most of the time, people are going to tell you the price when you ask and assume it. But about maybe 30, 40% of the time, you're going to get this where they want you to say it, but they're not going to be like super cagey. So Jeff, how much do you owe and how much do you want for the property? I mean, I, I don't, I'd have to look at the mortgage statement to, to see what I owe. Okay. And how much are you hoping to get for it? I mean, I was hoping that I was hoping you could tell me that you're the professional. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, how much did you buy the property for? I mean, we bought it at the height of the market, so we bought it for six twenty-five, I think. Okay, cool, cool. And how long ago was that? About three years ago. Cool. That's how much did you put down? Whatever. <laughs> uh, we put. We were a first-time home buyer, so we did. I think we did three, three and a half, whatever the first-time home buyer is. Okay, plus money down. So you probably owe high fives, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, somewhere in there. Okay, cool, 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 cool. And then uh, you said, how much were you guys hoping to get for the property again? I mean, we, we want to get what it's worth. We want to get market value, but that's what we'd like you to come over and tell us. We've talked to a couple other agents and we know what our neighbor's houses have sold for. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing the homework before we get together so we can talk through those numbers. I'm just trying to to see what you were hoping for. It's just so that we can be on the same page when we're discussing. What were the other houses in the neighborhood going for? You know, a neighbor's house went for seven, I think seven, a couple months ago. Well, and do you know if that house was bigger or smaller than yours? 
I, I think it's about the same four plan. I mean, I think we have some nicer upgrades. We have a deck in the back and it's got the just real nice deck and their deck is a little bit older and and yours is a little bit nicer. So you're hoping to get a little bit more than 725 or right around that same price? Yeah, I mean, I think we should get a little bit more. Okay, cool. So you see that? So like you're asking what the neighbors went for and everybody knows what their neighbor went for. Anybody that says they don't know, right? And then I would have said, hey, so the other, what were the other agents telling you? Because you want to know what the other agents have said. I would have gone into that. But we're running low on time. So I wanted to get to the, the final piece when Jeff is like a total punk and won't give me any information. And I have to, I have to resort to my last, my last resort method to get what they want. But with that said, that was, that's one of the big things there is you want to know why they're thinking what they're thinking. You always say, what do the neighbors go for? Is it bigger or smaller? Are the upgrades more or less? And then when they say it's, if they say it's bigger, then their house is bigger than the neighbors. You say, okay, so how much more do you think yours is worth than that? Then they'll tell you. They always know, right? They all, like all of these sellers, they have a script and they call and do script practice with each other saying, hey, you're the professional. You tell me, hey, I want you to tell me. I don't know what it's worth, but if you offered them $100, they would not sell because they know it's not worth that. They do know what it's worth. They just don't want to tell you because they feel weird about it for whatever reason. Right? right. And so here we go. Now Jeff's going to be a, a lot more cagey. He's going to be super cagey and just really want me to tell him because some people think that it's a negotiation with a real estate agent that, you know, and, and they really do believe this, right? And understand this, that if another agent tells them that their house is worth 50 grand more than what another agent says, then that agent must be right. And the other agent that says it's worth less is an idiot. Right. And and you come against that with bad agents. And this is why it's so important to, to be armed with this information. All right. So Jeff, how much do you owe and how much are you hoping to get for the property? I mean, I, I don't think that's relevant. I don't, I mean, what I owe doesn't really matter. Right. All right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just was wondering what you're hoping to, what you're hoping to walk away with. No, no worries on that. How, how much are you hoping to get for the property? Well, that's, that's what I was looking for to you telling me. Um, cool, cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm listen, I'm I'm gonna be doing my research later today before our appointment tomorrow. And I just was just wanting to see whether we're on the same page, see where we are with everything. And so did you have any idea like what the neighbors are going for and what their what their houses are worth, like what their houses are going for? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, our houses we've got a lot better upgrades. Our kitchen's significantly nicer. I mean, we've got some very customized craftsmanship done in our house. So it's not really a good comp. Our our house is it's very unique. Sure. What do the neighbors sell for it just out of curiosity. Again, it's a smaller house. And I, I don't think it it doesn't really comp well, I guess. They're at 700. Okay, cool. And then we go from there. How about this? So I, I've gotten this a bunch where they just keep saying, I don't know. I like I literally haven't taken, I haven't looked, I haven't kept up, which is bogus. They do know. <laughs> they do know. Don't believe that. But yes. go ahead. Now, Jeff, go ahead and straight lie to me that you don't know. And what they Yep. Don't know. Don't know. Okay. <laughs> hey, listen, Jeff, most buyers go to this and they look at this and Zestimates are oftentimes Zesta wrong, right? Because Zillow lost a billion dollars buying houses at the price of their Zestimates a few years ago. And the reality is Zestimates are a great idea to get close to a number, but they're not always right. So when you're looking at it, the Zestimate here says, your house is worth about 700. Do you feel like Zillow's right or is Zillow way off on that? 
No, I'd say they're off. Okay. How far off do you think they are? I don't know. That's look, like I said, we have a very unique house. We've put a lot of care into it. We've done a lot of upgrades. We've w- maintained it well. I want to know what you think it's worth. I know what I think it's worth. I want to know. I want to work with somebody that knows how special and unique our house is. And so I'm looking forward to you telling me what you think it's worth and then we can discuss it. Okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. I just know that everybody, whether Zillow is right or wrong, everybody's going to go to Zillow to, to look first, right? Like most people go there first. And so if if Zillow says 700 and we're going to be marketing for way more than 700, then we're going to have to create a very special and unique marketing plan. But yeah, just working to, to figure out what the best fit there is for it. And again, I won't hold you to it, but how far off would you think Zillow is? I'm, again, I, I don't know why you need me to tell you what the price there needs to be. You've got, you just got to come and see it. And I, I think you'll agree with me. That's probably the wrong price. Okay. All right. So here's the deal. If I were to gone to their, to Jeff's house and I said 700, he would think I'm an idiot, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's worth 700, he thinks I'm an idiot, right? I, I know this. So the information he gave me is that it's, he thinks it's worth well above 700, right? Now, here's the thing. If I would have said, hey, the comps look like seven, Jeff would say, he, he would say, you don't know anything about real estate. But the fact is, now he can be mad at Zillow's number, not your number, right? It's called an anchor. When you say a number first, you want them to say a number first, but it's a third party anchor. So you want him to be, you want them, if they're going to be mad at somebody or if they're going to love somebody, they can be mad at Zillow and you both can be mad at Zillow together or you can both love Zillow together if they like Zillow's number, right? Oh yeah, Zillow's great, whatever. But bottom line is you don't want them to get mad at you when you say the number mm-hmm. and that's that's anchoring. And if you've never read Chris Voss, I never split the difference. This is straight from that book. It's a book about negotiating mm-hmm. and it's how to anchor with a third party anchor so that you're not the bad guy giving the anchor. So we're out yes. of time now, but if you can know what the end in mind is, why they're selling and know what they want for the house before you walk in, then you can craft a strategy that works. So Jeff, you want to take us home? Absolutely. Hey, friends, this does conclude another episode of your Uncommon Real Estate Podcast with your host, Chris Craddock, myself, Jeff Safebright. But before we let you go, uh, for those that are listening uh, to the podcast, wherever you are, you know where you're at, whether you're at uh, iTunes, Spotify, any of the others. If you could go there, give us a rating, hit that one star, two star, three star, five star, whatever it is you think it is. We'd love some honest feedback and reviews because we're here to help you build your business and and do what we can there. Also leave a comment. Let us know what topics you'd love to see covered, what guests you'd like to have us on, anything that we can do to help you level up in your business. Again, that's what we're here for. So go there, give us a rating, give us a review, send us a comment, join us on Facebook, Uncommon Real Estate Group. And I would love to interact with you there as well. But this does again, conclude another episode of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast. We'll be back same time, same place, live every week. Until then, have a great day. Continue winning. This episode of Uncommon Real Estate. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest mastermind conversations from Chris, Jeff, and other uncommon real estate industry leaders. If you love this podcast, please write us a review. And to fast track your real estate career, go to chriscraddock.com.